struggle with the images in the Bible of God our Father because I had an earthly father that mimicked that and showed me that. And, and so I, I, you know, I've always felt blessed. You know, I, when, when, when I was growing, it was different when I was younger. I tell you, it's different, right? You know, I can remember when I was younger, if I got sick at school, I'd go report to the nurse, and then I'd just walk down to Dad's barbershop downtown. Now, I don't think they let kids just leave school now, do they? And I can remember many times just walking, not feeling good, walking down to the barbershop and spending the day with Dad at the barbershop. That was a boring thing, Frank, but, but I liked it, you know, just sitting in the barbershop. I can remember Dad would give me one dollar. And one dollar would buy a fish sandwich, French fries, and a Coke. <laughs> uh, so that's, that's dating myself a little bit. But I can, I can remember those days of just sitting with Dad. And, and uh, you know, I, 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 never, I never doubted uh, that he had my best interest in mind and in heart. And um, I was blessed with that. And, uh, and, and I was talking to... Aaron Hanselman, Carol McIntosh, his grandfather passed away, and the, and the funeral, I believe, was Monday, if I'm not, is, is that right? And the visitation was, was on um, Sunday, and I was talking to Aaron a little bit on Sunday, and, and he was talking about, he had a good earthly father as well, but his grandfather, it's those images of grandfather. And my prayer for you is that, that all of you have somebody. And I, and I understand, some, it doesn't always work out the same for everybody. But my prayer for all of you is that there's somebody in your life, a, a dad or a, a grandpa or an uncle or a brother or a friend, uh, that, that gives you an image of our Heavenly Father, that, that, that shows you somebody that cares for you and loves you. And that's my prayer for all of us in this room. And, and men... And this is directly to the men. I've always believed this. I expect my mother to be compassionate and caring because that's what moms do, right? But what was earth-shattering and shaking and life-changing for me was that as compassionate and caring as my mom was, my dad was. And so there's something when you encounter a, a, a father, a, a grandfather, an uncle, a, a man that can just be compassionate about other people. I believe for boys particularly, that is influencing. And so I'm thankful, you know, as, as I look around this church, do you realize how blessed you are to be part of this church and the examples you have here? Do you realize? I mean, I'm blown away. I see Gene McBride there, and Gene, Gene's going to probably duck under the seat that I mentioned him. There is no more compassionate person that I've ever met than Gene McBride. There's just not. And I could, as I look around this church, and you know, I see Dr. Purdue on the other side. <laughs> Boy, that's pretty good brackets in our congregation of men who have loved and served God. And I'm thankful for the example that we have in this congregation. You know, the, the, thought, the image of, of God our Father is a biblical image of God. God our Father. It's, it's, it's throughout the Bible. And, and when you think about God our Father, I think there's, there's a lot of reasons this image is, is true or is, is resonates or, or gives us a good idea of who our, our Heavenly Father or her, who God is. I, I think of God as like a father. He's the giver of life. When you think of God our Father, you think about His care, 
And when you think about God, our Father, you, you think about love and protection and providing. I, I think another thing that you think you should think about as a, as a God, our Father, is, is that we are an extension of God. And, and as generations go uh, from, from each person, there, there is an extension. And, and I believe when, when the Bible uses this image of God, our Father, they want us to understand, the Bible wants us to understand, God wants us to understand that we are His children, His extension into the world. So we think of God as the provider and Jehovah Jireh, the God our provider, that great Jewish Hebrew word. And James 1.17 says it like this, every good thing, just let, let this wash over you this morning. Every good thing. Anybody have anything good happen this morning? All right? Nobody? <laughs> every good thing given. And every perfect gift is from above coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. Every good thing you have ever experienced in your life has come from your Heavenly Father. You know, I, I pray with people all the time at the hospital and, you know, when they're sick. And, and, and you know, to, to me, whether God supernaturally by the power of the Holy Spirit heals somebody or whether it's through medicine and doctors, it's no different. It comes from God. And so I can always pray, you know, healing comes from God. And whether it's from the Holy Spirit just touching you or a doctor diagnosing and treating you, it still comes from our Heavenly Father and He's worthy of praise. Every good thing that you experience today, every good thing you've experienced this week, everything good, good thing you've ever experienced in your life is from God our Father, our provider. Now, sometimes I, I don't give as good of gifts. <laughs> you know, I thought, as I talked, thought about God who, who gives gift, I, I thought about Father's Day gifts, and, and I thought about asking what was the worst Father's Day gift you've ever gotten, fathers, but I didn't think we'd ever we should go there. I, I, I think, I don't, I don't know if it's the worst gift, but I think I, I kind of liked it. Uh, anybody ever get a Billy Bass? I mean, what can be wrong with a mounted fish that hangs on your wall and sinks? I've given some bad gifts, and, 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 and usually the recipient of my bad gifts are Terry. Uh, you know, for Christmas time, birthday, guess who gets the gifts for the boys? Terry. Who gets the gifts for me? Terry. And she's good at it. Every so often, she'll say, surprise me. And I never fail to surprise her. Um, <laughs> This past year for Christmas, you know, she was in that, oh, uh, you know, just surprise me. And I know she gives me hints. Men, how many times does your wives give you hints what you want and it goes right over your head? Like, Terry, just circle a picture of it in the catalog and lay it on my pillow or something. I bought her a soda stream. I thought that was a great gift. I've used it. Spencer's used it. Terry, not so much. I think she'll learn to just tell me what you want. That God our Father gives perfect gifts. Over and over, Jesus uses this image of, of Father. Now, the Old Testament 
uses the image of Father, but not nearly so much as Jesus. When Jesus begins to refer to, to God, it almost exclusively and over and over. In, 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 in the Sermon on the Mount, just read how many times Jesus refers to his heavenly Father and our heavenly Father. It becomes his favorite term. Matthew 7, you can read with me. Matthew 7, beginning in verse 7 through verse 11. Jesus says, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who seeks, asks, receives, and he who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. What man is there among you who, when his son asks for a loaf, will give him a stone? Or he asks for a fish, he will not give him a snake, will he? If you, then being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give what is good to those who ask Him? God our Father, God your Father, God my Father, wants to give us good gifts. And, and the biblical and, and I don't I'm, I'm not going to I'm not going to say that that I have a full grasp on this because God pours out blessing and gifts but but there's some connection with seeking and asking you know to ask God is biblical to seek God is biblical you know God pours out blessing on us when we don't even ask but but there is this there is this idea there's this this invitation. And maybe it's just because God wants the conversation, <laughs> wants to hear from us, to ask, to seek, and God will give. Now, in, in this portion of Scripture, there, there's, um, there's three particular or two particular gifts. The Luke account at, adds another one. There's, there's three things that, that, that Jesus refers to that they would look similar to, to the other, but they would be strikingly different. And as I thought about that, you know, he says, you know, who, who would give you a, a stone when you ask for bread? Or who would give you a, a fish? Uh, who would give you a snake when you ask for a fish? And, and Luke, it says, if, who would give a scorpion when you ask for an egg? And the truth is, sometimes things look better than they are. Amen? So sometimes... Things look better than they are. And, and all of us experience this. We, 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 don't have to, we don't have to get real super spiritual to believe this and understand this. We, we, we've bought a car that we thought was great, and it was a lemon. Who's ever bought a lemon? Raise your hand. Okay, yeah. Who's driving a lemon right now? We've uh, got a new job. And we thought, this is the job I've always wanted until you started doing the job and you realized it was a stinky job and you wish you could find another job, right? Start a relationship and everything looked good and then all of a sudden it became toxic and hurtful and painful. All of, this, all of us have experienced this where, where sometimes things look better than they are. But, but the truth of this scripture is God our Father only gives 
perfect gifts. Whatever you're experiencing in your life, if it is from God, your Father, it is perfect and good and holy. Now, in, in the scripture, the examples, there's, there's these things that look close, but they're not quite. He says, who, what father would give a stone when his son asks for a loaf of bread? And, and, and Jesus is referring to, in, in this area, there would be stones that would look just like loaves of bread. There was, you know, sometimes you, you can see these illusions in, in, in parts of nature. It, it was interesting when, when 2013, when I did Kilimanjaro, somebody had taken the time at 16,000, you know, 15,000 feet. I don't know who would do that at 16,000, 15,000 feet to like maneuver rocks and draw on them. So in the distance, it would look like you're coming up to a station wagon <laughs> and you get up there and you couldn't see it. They'd create these illusions from far away. And, and Jesus is talking about rocks. They look like bread, but they're not. You know, stones do not sustain life, right? Um, how many of you, well, I'm not going to say women, how many of you have cooked biscuits that have been as hard as stones, right? But bread and rocks are completely different. Bread gives life. Rocks don't. Everything God our Father gives sustains life. Whatever you're experiencing in your life right now, it will lead and give you life. He talks about a fish, and, and, and most translations say a snake, but, but, but most, most theologians, as they, as they look through this scripture, think that Jesus is probably referring to an eel, uh, you know, something that looks very similar, you know, a fish, not an eel. And, and, and a fish was a clean food, and an eel was an unclean food. And when you start thinking about this concept of clean and unclean, unclean in essence, unclean was something that broke relationship. It broke relationship with God, and it broke relationship with others. And Jesus is saying everything God our Father gives builds relationship with Him and others. The intention of all these perfect gifts that God is pouring out upon us is so that we can love and know Him more and we can love each other more. Sometimes we misuse these gifts though, right? God blesses us with, with finances and, and we become self-centered and greedy instead of generous. God blesses us with, with things that, that, that we misuse, our, our jobs. And instead of building relationship, it harms relationship. And, and then in, in Luke, it talks about an egg and not a scorpion. And, and most theologians think that Jesus is talking about there were scorpions that would ball up and they would look like an egg. So, so it looked like something that it wasn't, but, but a scorpion could be deadly. You know, it looked good on the outside, but on the inside, it leads to death. You ever take a wrong turn? <laughs> you ever take a wrong turn? I remember one time I, I was out driving and, and, you know, just kind of exploring, um, 
Anybody, my parents used to just drive on Sunday afternoon and just drive down random roads and say things like, hey, we've never been down this road. Let's see where it leads, right? You know, you could do that in Union County because roads in Union County generally just lead to cornfields, okay? Uh, not, not, not a lot of danger in Union County that I've seen, that I've experienced. Maybe, maybe there's some real desperate dark areas in Raymond. I don't know. But I was out, and it was a more of an urban area, and I was just kind of driving around, and, and the next thing I knew, <laughs> I was in a pretty rough part of this town, and there was actually a car burning in the middle of the street. I thought, I don't think I want to stay here too much longer, and I got out of there, right? See, some roads lead to death. And, and, I, and I don't know where, where you are right now, but, but, but I, I, I think what what we, we should understand is we need to be careful what roads we start down. It, it may seem real innocent that that relationship may seem real innocent, but it may lead to death. Death of a relationship, spiritual death. Be careful what roads you start down. But everything God the Father gives brings life. God's gifts never lead to death. Now, here, here's an aside. And, and, and if you think this way, that's okay. We, we, we can disagree here. But every once in a while, I'll hear someone say something like, be careful what you pray for. God may just give it to you. Anybody ever heard that? What? What? As if God is in heaven saying, well, they asked one too many times for that, so I'm going to give them just what they ask for, right? As I read my Bible, I don't see God giving anything but perfect gifts. God, our Father, can only give perfect gifts. God cannot tempt us, and God cannot give us things that leads to death. Now, the parallel verses in Luke ends a little bit differently. In Luke 11, 11, it says, If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Slightly different. You know, and, and there's lots of, lots of reasons to this. I, 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 think, I, I think sometimes it's, it's, you know, Jesus has taught these things so many times, and there's some variances. That I taught this lesson. And, and, and I think sometimes he says, you know, just talks about gifts, and then he talks about the gift of the Holy Spirit. So what's this mean? It means God, our Father's best gift, is His presence. <laughs> now, now, we can apply this personally, too. I mean, fathers out there, the, the, the best thing you can give to your kids is your presence. Being there. That there's, you know, no, no amount of money, no, no amount of gifts, no, no amount of, of anything matters more than your presence. You know, I've, I'm learning this, and, you know, I'm, I'm goofy. I'm a preacher. I preach this stuff for, for nearly 15, 17 years now, however long I've been in the ministry. And, and, you know, I've said these things over and over, and I'm still learning. And I still sometimes forget. And, you know, my boys... You know what they need from me more than anything? 
is affirmation, connection, contact. <laughs> you know, when, when, when I ignore them and, 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 you know, I get bit, you know, I don't ignore them because I don't love them. I love them with every fiber of my being. But I'm like any other dad. I get busy, right? Dads, do you ever get busy? And sometimes I just get busy. And what I've, you know, now that Wyatt's out there on the West Coast and, and, and Dylan's all over the South traveling, you know, they're not there. Spencer's with me all the time and he gets sick of me. But you know, I got to send those texts. Hey, Dylan, thinking about you today, bud. Love you. Dads, do you realize how much of an impact even little silly things like that make in the lives of your kids? presence. God, our Father's best gift is His presence. So, so how do we apply this this morning? I, I, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm a big believer that, that, that we don't just hear these things, but, but there's got to be some way that there's an application, right? That it matters to our real life. The, the first thing is this. God invites us to acknowledge His perfect gifts in all circumstances. Whatever you're going through this morning, God is inviting us to acknowledge that everything He gives us is for our good and His glory. He's not saying everything's good, but God can use everything for our good. Sometimes that's easy, right? You know, when the car's running and the air conditioning's working and the job is good and the, and the kids are asleep in bed and everything's running smooth, you know, the, the, the bills are not more than the income, it's easy. But it's not so easy when it feels like the wheels are falling off. And this is a time when as the people of God, as, as we're following Jesus, we have to exercise faith and practice thanksgiving, okay? We have to acknowledge the hand of our Father in our life, even though things don't seem like they're so great. Looking at Pam sitting back there, first day or the, the last day, was it the last day or do you have one more day left? One more day left before she was retired, and she went and twisted one ankle and broke the other. God still gives good, perfect gifts and is worthy of praise. And so our default setting is, God, you are good and all you give is good. And so I will be thankful. I will praise you in all circumstances. And God invites us to acknowledge his presence in all circumstances. Once, once again, it's, it's easy in church, right? We're, we're in church and we've sang songs and, and, and I'm up here rambling on about God. So it's, it's easy to acknowledge His presence. But, but what about Tuesday morning when you get cut off in traffic or Tuesday morning when, when, when the, the diagnosis is not as good or, 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 or Thursday night when you're starting to pay bills and you're realizing maybe a little bit short or, or, or when things aren't going so well? It's a little bit more difficult to acknowledge the presence of God in those circumstances. But, but I believe Jesus is wanting us to see God is present in all of that. Now, when we talk about acknowledging, this is Thanksgiving, and, and, and I think 
this is slightly different. When, when things aren't easy, this is trust. I just trust you, God. I'm going to do a little experiment here. And, and, and I, hope, I hope this works out okay. If God has ever failed you, raise your hand. God's never failed us. And I know we're in church, so if you raised your hand, probably you feel like, I couldn't raise my hand for that, but, but, but God's never failed us. If God has been true in every circumstance, raise your hand. We can trust Him. We, we can trust Him to be present, to, to meet all our needs according to His riches and glory. God is good. But there's more. There always is more, right? Matthew 5, 48, Jesus says, and, and, and if... If when I read this passage, if, if this is not challenging to you, I, my prayer for you is you go home and you read this again. And you think about the words of Jesus. Because I'm telling you, as your pastor, when I focus, when I consider this, this is challenging. Therefore, you are to be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Folks, if that doesn't cause you to sit back in your chair, if that doesn't cause you to reflect on your week, if that doesn't cause you to reflect on your manner of living, on your attitude, on your heart, you're not listening close enough. You are to be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Now, just for the purpose, and there's lots of places we could go with this. But just for the purpose of this sermon, as we've talked about how God provides and the gifts of our Father, God calls us to give perfect gifts as well. He calls us to give bread, not stones. He asks us to give fish, not eels. He calls us to give eggs, not scorpions. In other words, He calls us to give things that lead to life, that builds relationship, that does not lead to death. And our best gift is our presence. District assemblies this week and and camp meeting, we've had uh, Dr. Graves and, and Jeff did an awesome job on his report as well. Jeff Kunselman, our district superintendent. And, 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 and the thing that I've heard over and over in district assembly was, folks, if we really want to be the church, we've got to be present to others. Now, I, I don't know, it, 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 it just hit me in the middle of assembly. And, you know, we, we say we are the church of the Nazarene. And, and we say it often. And, and, you know, it's become so much, you know, I understand the roots. And I have a historical understanding of the roots of the name. But, but sometimes when we've been a part of it so long, it almost loses its meaning. But, but the church of the Nazarene was intentionally chosen because they chose nothing good can come out of Nazareth. And the whole ideal of the church of the Nazarene was we, we follow a Savior that ministered to the least of these. You realize that, right? That, that when Brzee chose the church of the Nazarene, he, he was purposefully associating himself with people that others would not. It's easy 
to minister to Jerusalem, but not so easy to minister in Nazareth. So as I think about our perfect Heavenly Father, I think about Jesus who would come to the least likely to succeed. The the, the one that was a little bit less popular. The, The one that someone else would avoid. And if we are to be perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect, it means that we, got, we have to extend ourselves beyond what is easy and comfortable. God is and was and is present to others, and we're to be present to others. So that this morning, we, the good way to end this service was with communion and I think of all these things in in communion. We're going to do communion just a little bit differently. Communion, there's so many things that go on in communion. And and historically, and for for the first 1,700 years of the church, 1,800 years of the church, communion was was by far the the most uh, central response, communion and prayer. You know, with, with the evangelical movement, that you know, we, we had the rise of the mourners' benches and the pews and the, and the response form. And I love altars. I love them. You know, there was always altars in churches where people prayed. But, but this coming forward and responding with prayer is kind of a, a newer way that churches have responded in the evangelical movement. But communion has historically been the way people have responded to the message, to the Word of God. And, and communion, in other words, you hear it's Typically, it's more associated with the Catholic Church than the Protestant Church, but the phrase is Eucharist. And Eucharist means thanksgiving. And so in communion, there's this, the elements, we, we, we have the elements in our hands, they're physical, they're tangible, and it reminds us that our spiritual God affects us in a physical, tangible way. You know, not, not just grape juice and wafers. <laughs> and, and, and I think this is the significance of it. I, I think when Jesus, when Jesus initiated the Lord's Supper, I don't think Jesus had just in his mind, oh, this is what they need to do in churches on Sunday or Saturday night or whenever they gather. But, but I think Jesus in his mind was thinking every time they sit down and eat, with people they love, they will acknowledge that it is God their Father at the center and He gives them life and love and relationship and He is the purpose and the source of it all. So in a lot of ways, what we do here, this isn't the end, but it's training. My prayer is that that as we do these things here, when, when you go home today and you have people gather around you and you have a meal that that in that time you've been trained here to acknowledge God's presence there. And when you begin to think of communion that to, to me it becomes so dynamic and relationship changing and oh my goodness. So it's a time to be thankful. And so today we've got just the little cups and the little wafers, and we're going to be dismissed from the back, and you'll take them back to your chair. And as, as you sit and before you come, what I want you to be thinking about is the things that you need to be thankful to God about. 
How is God moving? What, what, how is God blessing you? What circumstances are going on in your life where maybe you need to acknowledge that God is at work even though it doesn't seem like God is at work? The other thing that communion represents is what? Jesus says, this is my body that is broken for you. And so communion in many ways represents the very presence of God in our sanctuary. When, when, when communion is sitting here, it says, this do in remembrance of me. It's a reminder that, that Jesus is present in this place. These physical elements remind us of the spiritual presence of Jesus. And so as you receive these elements, as you receive the body and the blood of Jesus Christ, and you're sitting in your pew, and you're thinking about your circumstances, and you're thinking about why you've gathered, what, the, the mind exercise, the, the thing that you should be doing is this. Jesus, you're right here. You're right with me. I'm not walking through any of these things. Alone. Once again, this isn't the end. This is the beginning. Because Jesus is not just present in this place. <laughs> but wherever you go this week, Jesus wants to be present to you. And the final thing I want us to do is this. So we're, we're being thankful. We're, we're thanking God for His blessings. We're, we're, we're being reminded of His presence. And then are we willing to be broken and spilled out? Jesus took on the form. We are to, we're following the one who did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. This, by the way, this is an early, you want, you want to see one of the earliest Christian songs? <laughs> Read Philippians 2. He did not consider equality with God something to be grasped but he emptied himself, taking on the form of a servant and was crucified on a cross for us. <laughs> and so when we receive communion, we're thankful for that. We're thankful for the presence. But, but there's also this invitation, be perfect as he is perfect. Have the mind of Jesus Christ where everything's not a about me and for me, but it's about my heavenly Father and whether I can, whether I can show Jesus to my neighbors. Let's pray, and don't don't take the elements. I'll give you instructions after you get back to your your pews. You can stand so we can be easy, more easy to be dismissed to receive the elements. Lord, bless us now as we receive these elements. Make us mindful of you in Jesus' name. We pray. Amen.